If you guys haven't figured it out by now, I'm the voice behind all the audio recreations this season. I'm playing both the roles of interviewer and interviewee, male and female, and letting the audio editing do the heavy lifting. Clearly, it's not an ideal situation, but we work with what we have. I'm sure you guys would prefer to hear the original audio interviews, and so would I. But I am playing the original audio that they did have. So I just ask that you bear with me through the crappy acting and bad voices. Because one gal can only do so much. We're going to start today with Willie Lamar's first interview, which was conducted on October 30th, 1980, by State Attorney Investigator Kurt Siver, whose real voice you've already heard in some of the audio clips. You might remember his hearty chuckle when Ava Ford related that story about them smoking all those stolen Muscovy ducks. Kurt Siver would be the even-keeled cop asking the questions in a deliberate and well-thought-out manner, unlike, in my opinion, Deputy Dan, who would later interview most of these same people. He's the one who conducted that interview with Frankie Lamar about the shirt, the one that you've already heard in a previous episode. But now we're going to go back to the beginning, two days after Merritt Wheeler's body was found in Horse Creek. Kurt Siver did the two interviews that you'll hear in this episode. And while, again, these recreations aren't ideal, some of the information in these interviews is important, and that is why I am recreating them for you. First, with Willie, he started with the basics. He establishes that Willie Lamar knew Merritt for 18 or so years. Back then, Willie was married to Merritt's former mother-in-law, his first wife's mother, who eventually died of cancer. After that, Willie met his next wife, Carolyn, through Connie and Merritt. Carolyn was a friend of Connie's. Willie said that he and Merritt had a relationship. They hunted and fished together when Willie lived back in Sebring. And later, after Merritt moved to Arcadia, Willie Lamar moved there as well. Willie told the investigator that when his son Frankie was in prison, he was living in Avon Park, and he was sick, so Connie would come over and help him sometimes, since she and his new wife Carolyn were close. One day, Connie went with them to visit Frankie Lamar in prison. And the rest, as they say, is history. Willie was aware, he said, that the two were exchanging letters, Connie and Frankie. And when his son got out of prison, he moved back in with him. As soon as Connie realized that Frankie was there, she started coming over to the house and they'd all play cards in the evening. Willie said that one day, Pete came over there wanting to know if Connie was at the house and told them that Merritt was upset and he was outside in the bushes and he wanted to kill them both. He had a gun. That's when Connie and Frankie took off and left town and they were gone for months. Later, when they returned to town, a few days before Connie went back to live with Merritt, he came over one night yelling for Frankie to come outside and fight him. Willie claimed that during this time he'd been talking to both Merritt and Connie, trying to get them back together. He said that he had asked Merritt about him hiding out there with a gun and wanting to kill Connie and Frankie, and Merritt denied it. Willie told the investigators that he believed him because he had never known Merritt to lie. 
It appears as though Pete Duell, Connie's brother, had gone over there that night to start trouble, and he made up that story. We know that Merritt went over there on another occasion without a gun, and he threatened to fight Frankie, right? But there were never any credible witnesses to suggest that he had ever said he would kill Connie, or that he had ever gone after Frankie or anyone else with a gun. Although, I'm sure there are some who would argue that Frankie's damn lucky he hadn't, because that man was pressing his luck. What Merritt had done was beat his brother-in-law Pete's ass quite a few times, but the most he'd used on him was a belt. I've never heard any evidence from anyone that Merritt Wheeler ever threatened anyone with a gun. The straw that appears to have broken the camel's back was that marijuana incident. Now the witness reports, they say one thing, that Pete gave Merritt's oldest son pot while he was over there with Merritt's sister. That's what Frankie and Willie said. When I asked Merritt's oldest son, his namesake, he didn't remember that. I mean, there's a story in the report that, and this incident that I'm going to ask you about occurred not too long before your dad was killed. Your dad got really upset because he came home one day, the report says, and Pete had given you uh, marijuana. Do you remember that? No, it's, uh, I wouldn't even think about being around marijuana because daddy would whip my butt. Up until the age of 21, 22 years old, I was. Before that age, if somebody smoked it around me, I was so country that that made them a, more or less a hippie. Yeah. And I was raised up different than that. Hmm. And the incident that it, it mentioned is one of the things that got that why um, your dad threw Pete out of your house. And, he, and that's why Pete was, I guess, living in a tent uh, just off the property on a neighbor's property or something. Did your aunt, did, did um, your dad have a sister, a female sister? Daddy had two sisters. Would one of them have been, you know, at your dad's house around this time? Like, um, No, ma'am. You'll hear about this in the audio that's upcoming and what they said, Frankie and Willie, about that pot incident. But whoever Pete gave pot to, whatever the truth, Everyone involved agreed that it had pissed off Merritt pretty bad. On top of stealing from him, repeatedly, and all the other stuff that Pete was alleged to have done to irritate his brother-in-law, this incident with the pot just before Merritt was killed was what made him banish Pete from the Wheeler home. He told Pete, in no uncertain terms, in that phone conversation, that he was no longer welcome. and Pete according to the stories, hung up on Merritt in that phone call, so he wasn't all that happy either. Both Connie and Merritt mentioned that phone call to Willie that Sunday, two days before Merritt was killed. According to Willie and Frankie, the last thing that Merritt had said to his brother-in-law Pete was, if he saw him again, he'd make him wish he was dead. Now, the investigator went over the last time that Willie saw Merritt, and he repeated basically the same story that Connie had about him coming over and having coffee, picking up the kids, running up to get sugar, and being there when the Perrys were over there visiting. He also confirmed going with Frankie the next morning to check Dave Perry's trout lines for him. He and Frankie followed David in their vehicle. David left him off by the boat, and he went on to work. Later they came home. Frankie cleaned some catfish that they had gotten and then he had to go check in with his probation officer. 
When they got back home from there, they saw David Perry's vehicle in Merritt's driveway. So that's when Willie went over to find out what was going on, because Dave Perry was supposed to be at work with Merritt. And that is when he learned about Merritt being dead. Willie, let me ask you this, and I want you to be honest with me. I am. You ever slept with Connie? No, sir. Hope God to strike me dead. No, siree. You didn't? No, siree. Never have. She spent a lot of time around you, though. Yes, sir. Merritt let her. That's what I say. I've been sick with my heart. Merritt let her go with me and drive me and carry my hogs off and help me butcher and stuff like that. Me and Connie real close together. You know what I mean? Me and Merritt was, too. But I ain't never said a harm word to Connie, and I ain't never seen a harm word out of her. Willie, did you know there was something between Frankie and Connie when she was taking you up to that prison up there? No, sir. They wasn't. They wasn't then, because that's the first time Frankie had ever seen her, and the first time she'd ever seen Frankie. And she went with me up there, me and my wife, one time that I know of. One time she went up there with us, because I couldn't drive, and I had a straight stick truck. And they were scared for me to drive, and so Connie went up there with me, you know. And her and Frankie started talking in prison. And then they started writing one another. And then I think they got to seeing one another, you know. Just letters first, and then so on, you know, like that. All right. Um, you sold Merritt a horse? Yes, sir. How long ago, do you know? Well, uh, I'll show you the papers. No, sir, I don't, but it's it's dates. There's dates on there. I think you put the dates on it, because Merritt done all that writing, because I, write uh, I can't write nothing either. All right. He gave you 75 down on the horse and was supposed to pay you back $25 a week? Yes, sir. That's right. And how much did you sell it to him for? Well, I sold it to him for $750. And then last week he said, Willie, I know I ain't been paying you right. I'm giving you extra money. I'm going to give you an extra $200. I said, Merritt, I ain't worrying about that. Because you're supposed to pay me $25 a week. And I showed you the paper where he had paid me so much, you know, and didn't pay it up like that. He said... I've been having tough luck, and I said, Merritt, I have too. All of us have. Last week he asked me to go over there and mow his place for him. I'd give you $35 to mow it for me Saturday. And then Saturday he said to me, Well, I ain't got but $25. You want it on the horse or on the place or what? He said, And I'll give you that other next week. I ought to have a good weekend next week. I said, Merritt, anything you want to do? And he said, Okay, I'll put it on the horse then. But he wanted that horse because it looked like his old horse. He had a horse that got killed when him and Connie first got married. He had a horse named Jubilee, and the horse got killed on their wedding night. And he'd been trying to get a horse ever since. And we didn't know how much the horse came to, and I talked to him about that. Otherwise, um, me and some friends he has, you know, you've seen on that paper is what he done, but I paid 600 and something myself, and I told Merritt, I said, no, I had to pay cash for that horse. I says, if you want that horse, I says, how much are you going to give me for it? And he said, I'll give you 750 for the horse. He said, Willie, I'll pay you 75 now, and he told me he'd pay $100 down, and that's when my wife wanted to go up and see her folks, you know, but I didn't want to sell that horse, and I wouldn't sell it to nobody else like that, but to Merritt, I would, because he's my friend. He said, I'll pay you $100 down and 25 a week till I get it paid off, and Merritt was a man of his word, and then he started writing that down himself, you know, on that paper I showed you, because I can't hardly read my name, and then Sunday, he told me, he says, I'll give you, I told you I'd pay you 25 a week, but Willie, I ain't done it. He said, I'll give you an extra 200 And he said, when I get that, I'll give you an extra 200 I may pay a little bit now. And then he said, you know, Connie's come back home, and I'm so happy. 
He says, did I tell you that she went and joined the church? And I said, no, I didn't know that. And he said, well, she joined the church today, and that made me so happy. He said, we're getting on good, better than we ever have gotten along. He said, me and Connie are laughing and joking and getting along better than we ever have. What kind of clothing was Merritt wearing on Monday night when you saw him? I didn't even pay no attention. I think he had on a white t-shirt, but I didn't pay no attention to his pants or nothing like that because in a little while I went to pick up the kids and it was late for them getting in because they had to go to school. I drank a cup of coffee with him. He was sitting there eating, sitting there in the room, uh, him and Dave, when I got there. Him and Dave was talking about the job or something or other and Connie fixed me a cup of coffee and I said, Connie, that was awful good coffee. And she said, well, there's a pot in there if you want to make another cup. And she said, there's milk. So I went and got me another cup, and I drank it while the kids, well, some of them were taking a bath. You and Merritt were sitting at the table talking? No, sir. I was standing at the sink, at the counter there, and Merritt was sitting over there in the corner. Him and Dave was sitting over there talking when I came in. What were they talking about? I don't know, sir, about the job, fish, something other. I don't know. I wasn't paying too much mind to them. So you didn't hear them? No, sir. Did anybody else come over later besides Dave and his wife and you? Not so as I know of, not while I was there, because I hadn't been there just a few minutes. Did he get any phone calls or make any phone calls? I don't know, sir. He seemed to be, he was telling me that they would call his boss, man, to see about getting Dave a job or something or other. Like I say, I wasn't paying too much mind. And Dave's wife, she got a punch bowl down over there and she wanted to look at that punch bowl. And me and her walked outside while I was drinking my last cup of coffee. She was talking about some getting some tools for her husband for Christmas or something. And about that time, I come back in the house and, and got the kids and, and got my son and went over and got the sugar and carried it home. And then I came on back to the house, and that's all I know. All right, you have any idea who might have done this to Merritt? No, sir. I got no idea who'd want to hurt Merritt. I saw Merritt as everybody's friend. What did Frankie get put in jail for? Well, he got put in jail one time for breaking in my store. They went off and stole a jack or something or other. Some tools or something. Well, what did he go to prison for? That right there he went to prison for. For stealing a jack? Yes, sir. Tools. But the way it was, to the best of my knowledge, he went and broke into my store. But I had a toolbox on the side of my truck, and I had a bunch of coins. I always saved silver dollars and stuff like that. Well, I had four, five, maybe maybe $150. And my wife let him have my truck to go to town, and when he come back, the coins was missing. He said he didn't get it. All right, then my store got broken into. I couldn't prove who done it. They just took these here glasses, you know. You roll them out, and you could take them out, and, and I went and put steel bars on the store, a steel door. cost me about $300 to fix it up. And I said, no, nah, nobody ain't getting into it now. And me and my wife were on vacation in Georgia, and Frankie come back and took a pick or something, and he went to beating the cement wall down, just big enough for him to get in. Well, I didn't have much left just because I was going on vacation. I sold out everything that would get ruined, but he got my pickles, you know, and my pickled sausage, and he left, well, he left a few pennies. You mean pennies. to tell me he stole from his own daddy? Yes, sir. He said, well, I done that to show him that I could do it. Well, I was in Georgia, just like I say, and I was at my uncle's, and he called up there, and he told them, he said, I got to leave here. Will you send me some money to come home, to come down? I got to leave here for a while. And he says, why? And Frankie said, I broke into the old man's store. Well, I happened to be standing right there and listening to him. And when he said that, he said what he'd done. He handed the phone over to me, and I said, listen. I said, I'm going to have you picked up for that. And so I turned right around, and I called the sheriff's department. And they went out checking on him. And sure enough, there was a hole when I got back there, just big enough for him to get into. 
So they did. They, the law came and picked Frankie up. All right, how about Bill Sane? You know Bill? Yeah, that's my wife's kinfolks, but I don't know too much about him. I know he's got a big mouth. I think that's the most that there is, just a big mouth. He talks a lot. Were he and Merritt pretty good friends? Well, I, I don't know, sir. They used to hang around a lot, but I don't know if they were best friends or not. But I do know me and Merritt, we both carried our tractors over and Bill's helped us work on them before. Helped us get them back running and stuff like that. All right. What about Bill Hagen? He's supposed to be selling drugs, is that correct? Yes, sir. Well, that lady in the room out there, she she's the one that came out to ask about it. I don't know nothing about it. She came out there and asked my wife about it. And I sure didn't know nothing about that. But she came out there and she asked my wife about it. And she said, well, my wife, she stuttered around. And then my wife said, well, yeah, I went up there once or twice. And the woman said, is that all? And my wife said, well, maybe three times. And I was in the hospital. I didn't know nothing about that. And so then I started questioning my wife about it. And she said, yep, we went in the back of his place and he was growing plants in there with lights. She said she went in there and seen him two or three times. And now she's friends with Connie. And I said, honey, what were you doing in there? You know I don't like that. I don't even like to hear about it around the kids and all. She said, I didn't go there. I went with a friend. All right. And then she carried Pete. She said, all right, I'm going to tell you before somebody else tells you. I carried him down to the river over there. What you call it? Uh, Horse Creek? Horse Creek, uh-huh. Said I carried him over there to Horse Creek. Said he paid me $3 to take him over there. And she said, honest, I didn't know what he was there for, but he came back with a big bag and he put it in the car. Whereabouts out at Horse Creek did she take Pete? Now, sir, I don't know. She said Horse Creek, and she said, cross Horse Creek, you turn right, and uh, you go back up in there somewhere. And she said, I don't know if I could even find my way back there again. And that's what she told me before she left when we were living together. I never did know, just like I said, I went down there one time to see, and there's two little houses way back on yonder. Go across the slop, and then there's some big dogs. And I just went on down there and turned around and backed out. I went on down there to check and see, and that's the first and last time I went down there. What kind of work do you do, Willie? All I do is peddle fish. I ain't... I'm disabled to work. I'm on Social Security, and I... Well, I pick up junk, anything I can to make a nice nickel at. That's what I do now. Here in the last two or three weeks, I've been trying to fish, me and Dave, but we've been catfishing again. Because he ain't had no work, and I ain't had no work. We've been trying to catch us some catfish, and we've been setting out trout lines. Times are pretty hard, huh? Yes, sir, it is pretty hard. You getting behind on your bills? Well, no, sir. So far, I've been selling what I had, you know, like my hogs. I got rid of my hogs. I got rid of my cows after me and my wife separated. I got rid of some to keep my bills caught up, and I'm pretty well straightened up with them until about next month. I can't read. It's like I said. That lady over yonder, you can look out over there, and she'll tell you. So she helps you with all this? Yes, sir. That lady over there at the bank, she's trying to keep me straight. That's the only way I know, because I can't, because, you know, I can't work it out myself. Now I go and try to sell a few fish. I sold, I believe, it was better than $100 worth of fish last week. Time I paid my gas and stuff, I went and put my money in the bank. I believe it was 135 I put in the bank, where I can catch up. I want to go back today and get a load of fish, but after all this came up, I wanted to wait and try to go back tomorrow evening and pick it up and go to Sebring and try to peddle it there on Saturday. Looks like she put $600 in here from the 9th of this month. Where'd that come from? That came out my savings, where I sold my cows. Here a while back, they put it in there and I drawed it out. I put it in there where I could catch up on the bank payments. And then I get my social security check, I don't know, five or 600 
and I get that, and I make it all out. So like I say, I try to keep it up. I can't keep a record of nothing. Are those your bills right there? This here, uh-huh. Yes, sir. I went and bought gas for fish. I try to keep up with everything, and then I turn it over to her, see? Because I can't read, and I ain't got no education. I see. So you give her the bills, and she handles it. Yes, sir. She figures it all out for me and helps me out since my wife's been gone. Well, that's good. Yes, sir. It's the only way I know how to do it. And here's where I bought the fish that other day. You see this? I bought that fish and how much it cost me. Hmm. Mullet, huh? Yes, sir. They sell mullet over there at Lake Placid? Uh-uh. Not in Lake Placid, sir. That's Placider. Oh, okay. You're right. Doc's Fish Company. I don't know that address, but... I know that when me and my first wife were living together, I bought fish all the time like that. So I went back and he said he'd give me the same deal on it. I told him I was just starting out and if he'd let me have it cheaper, till I got started out again. Me and Dave been catching little catfish and stuff like that. Some turtles too? Mm-hmm, and turtles too, yes sir. We've caught several turtles. We sell turtles and catfish. I tell you, Dave ain't had no job here lately either and it's been pushing them to try to make some ends meet. Willie, where do you buy your gas? Over here at the Gulf Station or 76 Station or what? No, sir, because they too high. Yes, sir. I buy down here at this here dollar and nine cent gas. Was you in there the other day at the Union Station last week? Yeah, my boy was working there till they laid him off, Frankie. I'd stop by there, you know, and talk to him. Get a cola to drink or something, because he was working there. Then he was supposed to get off Friday to go get his license. And he come back to work and, and they said... Nope, I hired somebody else. I don't need you. Yeah, he didn't show up on Thursday. Yes, sir, but he did show up early Friday. He worked Thursday. He worked Thursday? I'm pretty sure he worked Thursday. Now, well, now, wait a minute. Maybe Thursday is when he's supposed to get off. Looks like he worked on Wednesday and he didn't show up on Thursday. Well, he did call in and he asked him because I carried him up there and they said, well, he said, I want you to go get your license. So he had to go up to Sebring and get his license. But you was in there that one day that he wasn't there, wasn't you? Didn't you stop into the station? No, sir. Not that I recall. He was back there working on a tire or something? I don't remember that, sir. You don't remember? I know Frankie was working there, and I'd know the man that was supposed to let him get off and go and get his driver's license. He just, See, he just got out of prison, and he didn't have no driver's license. And the man told him he had to have a driver's license to work with the road service. So was it last Friday that they let Frankie go, or Saturday or Monday? You know, to tell you the honest truth, I don't remember, sir. Weren't you in there one day last week? I was in there several days a week. I'm talking about when Frankie wasn't there, though. One day, the day that Frankie didn't show up for work, that he called in. Didn't he call in sick one day last week? Yeah, no, that was week before last. Okay, week before last. Did you go up there that day? Yeah, because I went up there with Jean by the seed store, and Frankie was home most of that day sick. I knew he was sick because he was vomiting, and he came back up there, and Doyle had, uh, broke... He broke a stud or something in the car, and I went back to the house, and I got him, and he came back up there to the seed place, and he called over and told him where he put the bolts and stuff, and... And Jean that run the seed store up there, he knew Frankie was sick that day. He was vomiting, and his bowels were running off. What size shirt do you wear, Willie? Extra large? Medium, I think. You ever shot that shotgun of Merritt's? No, sir, I sure haven't. You shot his rifle? No, sir. I borrowed his rifle on Sunday to go out and kill a hog, but I never did see a hog to shoot it, so I never did shoot it. Merritt loaded it for me and told me how to use it right, but I ain't never used it. 
I put it in my truck and I went out yonder to the ranch. And I picked up my horse and come back. You know, if I could see a hog, I could shoot one. But I never did use it. Never did take it out of the truck. Willie, tell me who would slip up behind Merritt and hit him in the head. Who out of this bunch would do something like that? Nobody that I really know of. Okay. Out of Bill Hagen, Vern, you, Frankie, David, Bill Sane, Pete Duell, Connie. Who do you think, out of that bunch, would have reason to kill Merritt? I don't believe any of them would have a reason. Not even Pete? Well, now, Pete, like I say, I don't know too much about Pete. I ain't never seen Pete but once or twice. Really and truly, I don't know what kind of fella he is. Okay, you have anything else you know about Merritt and Connie? And who could have done this? No, sir. I really don't, sir. You didn't hear Merritt leave Monday night, did you? No, sir, I really didn't. Was Merritt and Connie arguing Monday night? No, sir. Because like I say, when I was there, Dave was there too, and, and Merritt was there eating some banana pudding or something. And Merritt said, Mmm, honey, that's good. I want some more of it. And she went and fixed him another plate and a glass of tea, and all of them were just sitting there talking and stuff, and they all act real happy. Well, somebody wasn't too happy. Sir? Somebody wasn't too happy. What you mean, somebody wasn't too happy? Whoever beat his head in wasn't too happy. Oh, well, I know that. What I was talking about was at the house. I mean, him and her, they were, you know, they sounded like they were getting along real good. And that was Monday night. Now here is an interview done on that same day with Frankie Lamar, who is also being questioned by Kurt Siver, the investigator with the state attorney's office. All right, go ahead with how you met Connie and what took place. Well, I first met her in Avon Park when I was in the APCI because she came up with Dad and them and everything, you know, and, and I asked Dad who she was. And Carol, my stepmother Carol, she said, well, that's my sister. That's what Carol told me, you know. Come to find out it wasn't true, I guess. I said, you know, she's pretty, nice looking, you know. And I'd been in there a couple years already, and a man gets lonesome in there, you know. I mean, a letter means a lot to somebody in there. Because my daddy, he couldn't write. I never got no letters from them. But when I moved to Avon Park, they did start coming to see me. So anyway, Connie, she started writing me, and, and we started corresponding back and forth, and we kind of got deep into sex life, you know. She started coming to see me, you know, and stuff like that, and I wouldn't ask her for money or nothing, you know, but it was nice to have someone to visit with me, you know. And so she just started coming up and seeing me and everything, and then all of a sudden, when I got transferred from Avon Park to Zephyr Hills, I didn't, you know, she didn't visit me anymore or nothing. We quit writing. I think I wrote her about twice after that because she said her husband and her were trying to get back together, trying to make it work again and everything. So I quit writing her, and I started writing this other chick. And then when I got out, I came over to Dad's place, you know, because I did tell her. I said I'd come see her, and, you know, I came over to help Dad on his place, and she found out I was over there, and so she came over. And we started playing cards over there a couple nights with Dad and Carol, and, and that's about all it amounted to, really. I told her I found out who her husband was, though, Merritt, and that I'd known him before, years ago. But Merritt was married to your stepsister, wasn't he? 
Yes, sir. See, that's where I found out who he was. I didn't know who he was until I got out of prison. You didn't know before that? While you was talking to her? Well, my dad kept saying I knowed him. But I couldn't place him, you know? And then when I got out... Matter of fact, it was about a week after. I was over there to dad's. And that's when I really found out who he was. He came over with Kenny. My father's first, uh, second wife, the one that died with cancer, Veroni. Well, her son. He came over with him. And at that time, I just barely recognized him. He said, how you doing, Frank? I said, all right. He said, do you remember me? And I said, well, I think I do. He said, I'm the one that showed you how to tan that hide all those years ago. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that. I knew right then, you know, that I couldn't do nothing with his old lady, you know, not as far as body contact. And so he says, well, I was going to build me some gates, you know. I just welded a bunch of gates for Dad and stuff, and he was drinking heavy then and everything. Well, he wasn't drinking that bad, but... When did you get out, Frankie? I got out in December. This year or last December? Mm Mm-hmm. 79, yes, sir. So anyway, he says, well, I asked him about building some gates for him, and he said, yeah, he said, I'll get back with you on it. And I said, okay. And then I think it was that weekend or the weekend after. Anyway, Connie and me's over the house, and we's all sitting up playing cards. And Dad and Carol said, I'll be right back. No, Carol, no. Dad left a minute, and he came back. And he told Carol to come over there a minute. Then they both came back in the house. And they told us that Merritt was out there laying in the Palmettos with a shotgun, waiting for me and Connie, waiting for us to come out. He said he was going to kill us both. And so that scared me, you know. Did he think you and Connie were sleeping together? Who? Merritt. No, no. You see, this was all a lie. This was every bit a lie. You see, because Merritt told me it was a lie. You mean you'd never slept with Connie or had sex with her up to this point? Up till we left Arcadia. This was back in March? Yes, sir. After that, all that other time, I just corresponded with her by letter. So you're saying from December when you got out till March, you never had sex with her? No, sir. After everything I read in those letters, Frankie? That's right. That's right. I know it's hard to believe. Yeah, because I've read those letters, Frankie. Yeah, she, you know, I mean, we, we talked some heavy stuff in them letters. Frankie, I've read those letters now, and I want to tell you. Listen, I, I won't deny that I, I mean, I told her what I'd do for her and everything, you know, please her sexual desires, which I wasn't lying about, you know, because I could. But we never had sex until after that night. After that night, we left. We spent the night together. And that was the first night I ever touched her. I mean, I could have, you know, when I was over at Dad's. But I didn't, you know. Because just like I told her, I said, hey, you're a married woman, you know. And then after I found out he was laying in the bushes waiting on me with a shotgun, mm-mm, I was going to leave town. Frankie, now God damn it. It's hard for me to believe that after reading those letters and you getting out of prison, you had to be horny as hell. Oh, I had women now. And you knew Connie was just sitting in there waiting on you. Hey, I had some women before I even came to Arcadia. And I got out in December. I stayed with my cousin up there. He's got two or three whores living up there with him all the time. When did you come to Arcadia? I didn't come to Arcadia until three or four months after I got out. What, December, January, February? Well, right in there, February, March. Well, how long were you here before you and Connie took off? Well, I was over here, I think, about two weeks, a little over two weeks. Because I asked my parole officer about coming over to help Dad. Dad asked me to come over and help him, you know, and that's the only reason I came then. So you hadn't seen Connie all that time since you got out? Yes, sir, that's right. And I asked my parole officer. You can ask him. He can verify it. In Wachula. 
And then I did come over here, and I, I met Connie. And we didn't have no sex relationship then, but I thought, now, then we have one. And I explained it to my parole officer, too, and he said, well, it's not. I told him about us going, you know, writing and everything. And she explained it to him about our sex life and all. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't live with him. And so the parole officer understood it, you know. He said, as long as you don't cause no trouble and all. And we lived together for about six months, you know. And that's about the time I found out about Bill Hagen and this other guy, Vernon. What about Bill Hagen and Vernon? Well, she's been with Bill Hagen, you know. Because, you know, she had to have somebody to satisfy her, you know. And she's living with Merritt, but, you know, but she went with Bill Hagen. She'd been with him twice, she told me. She told you she'd been with Bill Hagen twice? Yep, two times. How about Vernon? Well, I hate to say this, you know, because I promised Connie I wouldn't say nothing, but... I couldn't even tell Merritt when he asked me. Let me tell you something, Frankie. This is murder. This isn't petty theft, or nothing like that. I know. I know that. And I didn't want to start no trouble between him and her. They was back together. They were having a good time, you know? When he asked me. What's Vernon's last name? I don't know, sir. I don't know them people. I don't know nothing about them. He's the one that lives over in that trailer next street over? Uh-huh. And his wife's the one that was going with Pete. Vernon's wife was going with Pete? Right. And Pete would go with her. Linda was her name. And Connie would go with Vernon to satisfy her desires. So, in other words, Pete was going with Bill's wife? No, sir. Vernon's wife. Okay. Vernon's wife. Yeah. Vernon's wife, Linda. Her name's Linda. And Connie was going with Vernon. Connie's brother was going with Vernon's wife. And Vernon was going with Connie? Yep, that's right, but... I don't think Vernon knew that Pete was going with Linda, and Linda didn't know that Connie was going with Vernon. You know what I'm saying? So, brother and sister. The two brother and sister knew it, but the couple didn't know it. Oh, yeah, right. They were slipping around. And she's just trying to, you know, have sex. But her brother, you know, he wasn't doing nothing but messing up her life. But Merritt even told me, you know, when he stopped up at the store that day, on Friday, he said, I want to talk to you, and I said, all right, just a minute, you know. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's work up to that, okay? You jumped way ahead of us. We're, we're still back in the past. What did Merritt have to say about you running off with Connie at that time? Did he want to beat your ass or kill you or what? Well, you know, he told me, you know, he'd come over to the house one day and he talked to my dad and he was hot for a while, but he said, well, Willie, if she hadn't left with him, she would have left with someone else. Didn't he stand out there in your front yard and call for you to come out? He sure did. He was going to kill you or something? No, he didn't say that. He said, I heard him. But I wasn't coming out there, you know, because I couldn't talk to a man like that. Not when he's all upset like that. Because I did go off with his wife. He said, you son of a bitch. If you're any kind of man, you'll come out here and fight me like a man. You'll whoop me or I'll whoop you. How long ago was this? Uh, this was a couple weeks ago, you know. Just before Connie went home? Uh, I think it's been a little bit longer than that because him and Connie have been back together for about three weeks. All right, but it was just before Connie went back. Well, yeah, about a week or so before that. Yes, sir. See, the reason he did all this is because he went into the house over there, and his sister was over, and they supposed to be cleaning up or something, and he had over there with her, and they were smoking pot at the time. That's his sister? Yeah, yes, sir. Merritt's sister. Merritt's sister. Right. Well, what's her name? I don't know. I ain't never met her. And anyway, she's supposed to have been helping clean up the house that day or something, so we come home. He went somewhere and he came back. They's in there smoking pot and stuff. Ooh, and he jumped all over him. He says, I wouldn't let Connie do that in here, and y'all ain't gonna do it either. And he was all upset. 
They just came straight over there, and Daddy was sitting out there, and Connie was out there, and she said, Merritt, fighting ain't gonna solve anything, you know? She wanted to go back with him, you know? But he acted like he was confused out there, when he was all upset and everything. And she knew I wanted her to go back, too, on account of the kids, you know? And he says, uh, well, if he's any kind of man, he'll come out here and fight me. And so finally he says, oh, to hell with it, you know, and he left. And, and I think it was like a week later that he caught me when I got off work up there at the store at Tinsley's. I was cashing my check, and he said, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, just a minute. Let me cash my check, you know. So I paid for my carton of cigarettes, and I got my change. And I said, what can I do for you, Merritt? And he says, I don't appreciate you taking my old lady off, you know. And he says, I'm married to her. And I said, yeah. He was pretty mad at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he acted like he was mad, but, you know, he acted like he wanted to talk to me, you know. And so I said, well, Merritt, I don't know what people's been telling you, but can I tell you something before you get all hot and bothered? He said, yeah. And so I explained to him about the gun situation, that he's supposed to be laying out in the bushes and stuff. And he says, who told you this? And so I told him, I said, well, he said, it's all coming back now. He said, I didn't say that. He said, I ain't said no damn thing like that, Frank. And I said, well, that was the reason we left. I said, I never disrespected you, Merritt. I said, you was a friend of mine, and if I knew who you was, I wouldn't have even written your old lady in prison, man. He says, you know, Pete's the one that told me that. I'm going to kill that son of a bitch, or I'm going to make him wish he was dead. I'm going to pull his eyeballs out, break both of his arms, all this here because he gave some dope. Which, I couldn't blame the man for jumping on him for that. But he said, well, you know, so you don't have no objections to my wife coming back? I said, no, Merritt, I wouldn't have brought her all the way back down here from Plant City if I did. And, you know, they was going to church and everything. I even gave them my money, you know, to buy some clothes for them school kids. I said, you know, Merritt, I said, I was really more like a godfather to your old lady than I was a lover, but I did have feelings for her after living with her for six months. And he said, well, I understand that. But he said, can we be the best of friends? I want to be your friend, Frank, he said. So I said, sure, you know. So we shook hands. And he said, well, come on. And we walked out into the parking lot. And he told Connie, he said, you can come back over to the house tonight. He said, me and Frank, we talked, you know. And she said, y'all not mad at each other? And Merritt said, no, I'm not mad with him. And she said, all right, well, I'm going to believe that. And he said, okay. And that was that. So me and Merritt, we left, and I rode with him. And she went on to the house. And she moved back in that night. And I think a couple nights later, me and Merritt went hunting. And ever since then, we've been talking, you know. And he even told Connie to take the bulldog to the vet and stuff like that. And I never went over there unless he was home, because I told him I wouldn't. All right, so she went back with Merritt about three weeks ago. Yep, about three weeks ago, yes, sir. Have you slept with her since then? No. Uh-uh. How come? How come? Because I've... Because once she went back with him, I mean, I couldn't do that, you know? Did it piss you off when she went back with him? Did it piss me off? Mm-mm, not really. Now, you've been living together with this woman for six months. Well, I mean, I was living... I, I can shack with a woman, you know? It don't bother me. Like my wife, you know? She came back to me just that quick. But she's a prostitute, you know what I mean? I don't want nothing to do with her. She got... She's driving a Lincoln Continental and everything else, but, you know... How many times has Merritt wanted to fight you? Just that one time, that day, that day that he caught his sister and them over there smoking pot. That was the only time. One time. 
You and him got along good? Ever since I knowed the man. And you all went hunting, what, a week ago? Yep, about a week, week and a half ago. You all got a hog that night? Yes, sir. You had a big water glass full of whiskey? <laughs> yes, sir. I was pretty well feeling good that night. I'd done my homework, I know. Huh? I've been doing my homework, Frankie, because I want you to understand that. Because I'm going to know when you tell me a lie. I was. I was feeling pretty good that night. But, I mean, me and him, I was the one holding the hog while he tied him up. Me and him, we went and got the dogs first. Now, I couldn't tell you whereabouts we was, because I'm not that familiar with Arcadia yet. What was your near? Sir? What was your near? Y'all go down to Horse Creek? Was that where you was at? I don't know where we were, all I know. You go over a bridge and turn back in the woods? We went a whole bunch of places that night. We seen about six deer, you know, laying down out there in some grass and stuff, and, uh... We went down this long dirt road, you know, and there's a bunch of groves. And there was a pickup truck there for a while. I guess, you know, it was on somebody else's land and they was guarding it or something. So whoever was driving, they got back out of there and they got away from there and went on down a hard road. And then we seen them deer. And then I think that's where we caught the hog at, right off that hard road. Coming back in towards Arcadia. Way on the left there, that's where we caught that hog at. Me and Merritt, that other dude, I can't remember his name. Ron, I think, if I ain't mistaken. Ronnie Dryman. I think so. He's a pretty good hog hunter. He'd be riding along 30 miles an hour and he could see a hog in a trap. That's no lie. He's the one that had that big floodlight. But, you know, Merritt, he got on to me that next day. He did. He said, Next time we go hog hunting, I don't want you to be drunk. Because I've been drinking. You know, my uncle, he's a pure alcoholic. He drinks two and three-fifths of vodka a day. And when I was about killed that time in that accident, well, I've been drinking ever since then. But I mean, I ain't been drinking heavy, you know, not recently. But in prison, I used to make five gallons a buck, you know, I'd drink that. Frankie, when was the last time you saw Merritt? Sunday. What time of day? It's about, I think it was around five, somewhere in there. I seen him earlier in the day. I seen him Sunday morning. Plus, I seen him Sunday afternoon because I told you me and Dad got... We borrowed his horse trailer Sunday morning to go out and get the stallion. And he let Dad use a powerful, what do you call that? It's a rifle, but it's not high powerful, but it's a, got a clip in the bottom of it. it. It shoots long shells, but it's got a lot of force to it. He said when you shoot a hog with that, it'll bring him down. But that's what he used to kill deer. He shot deer with it sometimes. Magnum, that's what it was, Magnum. But Dad never ended up using it, and he brought it back to him. Then on Sunday afternoon, I asked him if could go fishing with me, because me and him done been looking up some hog signs up on, you know, right up there from where we live, on that center corner there. Back up there, you know, the guy that owns the place, he said that we could go back up there and look for some hog signs, and, and we found this place, and we asked Dick about going up there and catching some fish out of the fish pond. And he said we could go. He said I could take And me had asked Merritt if we could go fishing. And you didn't see him anymore after Sunday afternoon? No, sir, but I did hear him over there Monday night. What did you hear Monday night? I heard him hollering something over there. From my house to his house, you can hear, you know. Was he mad? No, he was hollering something. Them dogs or something. Then I heard his truck door shut, and then that was the last time I heard him or seen him. Was that before your daddy came home that night? Uh, my daddy had just come back home, mm -hmm, right after I heard him. Because he let me out, and he went over Merritt's to get some tea or something, sugar, because I guess he was going to make some tea, because there wasn't no sugar. And I was cooking supper. We just got back from Sebring. It's about eight, 
8.20, 8.30, somewhere around there. Because around 9, every night, we got the kids, and they're in there getting their bath and trying to get them to bed. And, and they only stay up till about 9 on account of school night. And you're saying it didn't upset you when Connie went back? Sir? It didn't upset you at all that Connie went back with him? No, sir. Believe me, it didn't cause, you know, me and Connie, you know, we had a good understanding. Like I told you. I said, you got to look at it this way. Them kids, they need you. They really do. I've got my son. Well, my father's got my son, you know, and hey, that's why I'm really down here to start with, you know, because on account of my son's over there. And, you know, my father, they stole him from me when I was in prison. He told me that if I let him adopt him, you know, because my wife, she started prostituting, you know, and everything. And so when I went to prison, I said, if I let you adopt him, will you give him back, you know? You and Carol, when I get out, will you give him back and when I get settled down and everything? And he said, yeah. But they fell in love with him and said I couldn't have him back, you know? And that hurt me real bad, you know, but at least I'm there with him. He calls me Big Frankie. Sometimes he calls me Real Daddy. But my daddy don't know that, you know, he'd get mad if he did. When was the last time you saw Pete? Saturday. Oh, this Saturday. Okay, where was that? Bill Hagen's. He's over at Hagen's? Because I was walking my two pit bulls around, you know, and I heard a lot about Bill Hagen. And I just wanted to see what he looked like and everything. And I went on up there and I asked him if he had any dope. He said, nah. Who are you? Pete was standing right there and I didn't even notice him, you know. And then he said, how you doing, Frankie? And I looked up and I see Pete. I said, what you doing, boy? And he said, nothing. Just staying away from them law dogs, you know. I said, yeah. And he come out and told me about some diamonds he'd ripped off or something. He'd made a pretty good deal on them diamonds. He said he took off for New York for about a month. Did he say where he got those diamonds? Mm-mm, no, sir, he didn't. Any idea? Well, I know he's got... I know he gives his girlfriends over in Sarasota $500 to buy a car with, and that's where his girlfriend is. More than likely, that's where, you know. Because, you know, he probably got them diamonds around over in there, or either around Miami way. I couldn't say for sure, because he didn't tell me. Did he tell you how he ripped them off? Mm, no. I didn't really go into it too much on the details. You and him were in prison together, weren't you? No, sir. I didn't know him in prison, no, sir. The only time I met him is when I got out, and like I said, I come over to Dad's. I bought a bulldog from him. I gave him, I think, 25 bucks for a bulldog, and then that bastard took my bulldog when I left. And I asked him about it, you know. I was going to whip his tail about my bulldog, you know, because I told him, I said, Hey, man, I said, you steal my dog back after I bought it from you. He said, No, man, uh-uh. Then he asked me, Merritt didn't jump on you? I said, No, man, he didn't jump on me. I said, me and Merritt are good friends. We went hunting the other night. He said, oh, yeah? He's going to kill me. He said it like that. He said, yeah, Merritt threatened a lot of people out here, you know? He threatened to kill me. And he threatened to kill old Bill over here. And he threatened to kill that old boy down the road, that old hillbilly boy. He threatened to kill him, too. And then they said, one day somebody's going to get him. Bill said that, or Pete said that? Pete said one day, well, all three of them said it, you know? Who all was there? There was Bill, Pete, and who else? There's Bill, Pete, and uh, David. David who? I don't know his name. And oh, oh, Paul. The one that lives with Bill. Paul's the one that said he had a bullet for Merritt, you know? Got his name on it. Do you know what Paul's last name is? No, sir. Like I told you, I don't... Where's he live at? Uh, you know where my dad lives? Or Merritt lives? You're coming back out toward the, the hard top, you know? That trailer sitting right there, and there's a, a road that turns right beside it on the left there. 
you go down, and I think it's the first dirt road going on back there to the right. And it's the first trailer on the right. The trailer's sitting back off the road. You come off the hard road, and you go down a little ways. Isn't that where Vern lives, though? No, you talking about, you talking about that's where Vernon lives there. That's the other road. I'm talking about coming back toward the, the seed company. Oh, okay. Excuse me. That's where they got two big old red bloodhounds and something else. Is there a couple of trailers over there, barns and all? No. Well, I didn't pay too much attention. The law was over there the other night looking for Pete, you know. I don't know who it was, because they come over to Connie and Merritt's house, and Connie said she hadn't seen him. Well, she wasn't lying, because she hadn't seen him. But he, but Pete had been seen around the neighborhood that week, you know, walking around the dirt road and stuff like that, because they go over to Connie's, and, she, and they asked her, well, do you know him? And she said, yeah, that's my brother. And they said, well, you should know where he's at then. And she said, no, sir, I don't. Because me and my husband, we ain't been too long back together. And everything like that. And so she said, why don't you try some of his friends, like old Bill Hagen, around over there, you know? So the sheriff or whoever went around there. And old Bill Hagen, he got real mad about that. And Pete got mad, too. Because they thought Connie had called the law on him. Pete was there when the law went? No, sir. But uh, he's supposed to have been in there in town that day, you know? And the law went around there. And that's what he said. He said he thought Connie called the law on him and everything. She probably would have if she'd known he was there, but... So this section here is important to me because it seems to point to an area of motive where Pete's concerned. Based on Frankie's story, if true, this incident occurred on Saturday, right before Merritt was killed. Law enforcement was looking for Pete because he had a violation of probation warrant at the time. And this is when Merritt is still alive. Because according to Frankie, Connie says, me and my husband ain't been back together too long. So when the cops come to her house looking for her brother, Connie says she doesn't know where he is, but she sends them over to Bill Hagen's house, where she and likely everyone in the neighborhood not only knows that Pete hangs out, but also where Bill, the local pot dealer, is very likely to either have pot on the premises at the time or, shall we say, be currently transacting. So this pisses off both Pete and Bill Hagen, according to Frankie. And I think Frankie also does a fairly good job of articulating how Pete stirred up all that trouble with Merritt and Connie, talking in his ear about her and Frankie cheating, and then going across the street and telling Willie Lamar and his wife that Merritt was out in the bushes with a shotgun, waiting to shoot him. They both say that's what caused them to leave town. And it might be true, because both Connie and Frankie they had it pretty good right there where they were, sneaking around on the side. After they left, and they took the kids with them for a short time, they ended up bringing them back to Merritt fairly soon, because they weren't able to feed them, according to Merritt's oldest son. That sounds like a money situation to me, at least in part. And then the two ended up working together on a chicken farm, which, to be fair, probably was not all that glamorous. Yeah, I think Frankie and Connie learned pretty quick that being out on their own and having to make money was a lot harder than hanging out in Arcadia, letting Merritt make the paycheck while they snuck around and canoodled behind his back. Once Connie was back and safely ensconced in her home with her husband and his decent-paying job, even if she had plans to continue seeing Frankie on the side, it couldn't have been lost on her that her brother Pete, in some ways, was making her life a whole lot more difficult than it needed to be. And since Pete was the one stirring that pot 
between Frankie and Willie and Connie and Merritt, and had just been tossed out on his ass by his brother-in-law? Pete himself knew that what he was trying to do wasn't working. He may have been staying with Phil Hagen for a while, but as soon as the law started looking for him there, he didn't have that place to stay either. And now he's found himself over there living in a tent in the palmetto bushes hiding from the law, while Frankie and Connie are back in their respective homes, eating in kitchens and availing themselves of, you know, things like running water and bathroom facilities. And to rub salt in the wound, when Frankie's over at Bill Hagen's on Saturday, telling Pete that, no, actually, Merritt didn't beat my ass for shacking up with his wife. We're friends now. Yet Merritt had not spared the rod where Pete was concerned, for what I'm sure he considered much more minor infractions. Well, I can see where there would be some jealousy and resentment brewing for old Pete right about then. And after he gets a whiff of his sister sending the law over to his buddy the pot dealer's house looking for him, that resentment may have just heated up well past a rolling boil. You know, Pete's actually the one that caused a lot of the trouble between all this stuff, starting with me and Connie, having to leave town and everything, because Pete was telling Merritt a bunch of lies and shit, and Merritt was already been drinking. Then he went over there and told Dad that Merritt was laying in the bushes, going to shoot us with a shotgun. And I mean, I couldn't understand why. And I wasn't about to die or nothing, you know? I like living. And I know, I mean... Merritt's just about crazy enough to shoot someone. If he had a reason, you know. Alright, so Paul Ledbetter's the one who said he had a bullet with Merritt's name on it, okay? Well, I'll tell you what. Because I did this before, and you can ask the police department over there in Sebring. I'm willing to help you find out if they had anything to do with this. I'm willing to help you find out, because I've had bugs put on me before, you know. And I helped the law out. And I'll go over there and talk to them. And in case you missed that, that, my friends, was Frankie Lamar offering to wear a wire and go back over and chat with them boys at Bill Hagen's house to see if he could find out if any of them had anything to do with Merritt's murder. Well, I'll tell you, we appreciate any help we can get from you. You can count on it, sir. But we're not going to make you any deals, Frankie. No, I don't want no deals. I mean, we're not going to let you go out and play with dope or steal something or anything like that. Nope. The only crime I ever done was B&E. And that's it. That's the only crime I ever done. And grand theft. Sir? And grand theft. That means you stole something over the value of $100. Well, yeah, that's them tools they said I stole. What else was you arrested on? That was it. Just B&E and grand larceny. Frankie, do you know Bill Hagen well enough to... I don't know them that good. Well enough to go down there and talk with him? Well, like I say, I only met him that one time. And that was that Saturday. The Pete was over there. Well, I'd sure like to know what they was doing on Monday night. I can find out, maybe. Tell me. Not to get you to cause any problems or nothing, but when you was over there, and you asked Hagen for some dope, and Pete was there, did he sell you some? Nah, he told me that, well, that's when I was saying when the law done walked in, or Connie sent the law over there, and he didn't appreciate that worth a damn. Bill said Connie was the one that sent the law over there? Yeah, Connie sent the law over there. And he said, Pete ain't here. And I ain't seen him or nothing like that. But her and her husband went back together and everything, and she said, I hadn't seen Pete. But you might ought to go over there and check on his friend, Bill Hagen. And that's when he went around there. And Bill told me he said he had some roaches and stuff laying around or something. Wait, they think Connie done that? Or they thought Merritt done that? Well, 
He thought Connie done it. Start with, you know. Connie? Yeah, Connie. Connie Wheeler? Yeah, Merritt's wife. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Because the law went over to their house. So they think Connie put Bobby on them? That's right. That's the way they tell it. Well, they missed that one, didn't they? The Bobby that's mentioned is Bobby Kelly, and he worked for the sheriff's department. He was present for some of that interview, and it appears that both he and Kurt Siver, the investigator for the state attorney, were surprised at the end there to learn that Bill Hagen and Pete thought that it was Connie who sent the law over to Bill Hagen's house. Connie? Not Merritt? They had asked. Which begs the question, was it Merritt? Was he so sick of his brother-in-law screwing around in his life that when police came looking for Pete, if he was there, that he mentioned it to him? Or was it Connie, like Frankie Lamar had said? And now, ask yourself this. Isn't it all that's needed that Pete thinks it was Merritt? Because I can certainly envision a scenario where Pete Duell sneaks on over to Connie's house once Merritt leaves for work on Monday and confronts his sister. Why the hell did you send a law over to Bill's looking for me? I can hear him saying that. And you know what else I can hear? I can even hear Connie saying no, it wasn't her. Or maybe saying something inadvertently that led her brother Pete to think it was Merritt who had sent the police over there that day. And if that did happen, while Merritt Wheeler was at work on Monday, it's not a stretch to think that Pete Duell, who was living in the woods nearby, might be watching the house and waited until darkness fell on Arcadia that night, until he thought everyone was in bed and grabbed one of his buddies, maybe someone who Merritt had also threatened, one of those old boys that were up there that Saturday that day at Bill Hagen's. And they made their way up that driveway and approached Merritt's truck. And then they did something to get his attention. Maybe they banged on something. or made just enough noise to get him outside. You can see it now too, can't you? Merritt stepping outside in his underwear, his eyes adjusting to the light. Maybe he yelled out, who's there? As he walked slowly toward his truck. And then he's hit from behind. Maybe he's able to get a few of those distressing sounds out. The ones that the neighbors said they heard that night. Before he was hit again. And then everything went dark. Stay tuned. <laughs> 